the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. The content found on the Vital Way podcast and Superman Herbs is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice for the diagnosis and treatment of a health condition or as a substitute for medical counseling. Please review any information with your qualified health care provider before making any decisions concerning your health, using all risks for the use, misuse, or disuse of this information. Hey guys, it's Logan Christopher, along with my brother Cloud, for the Vital Way podcast. Uh, on the website, we have the new Ask Me area and a lot of questions on shillages, so we figured we'd dive into detail on shillages, answer all those questions, talk more about its benefits and everything. Um, We'll probably be recapping some of the information that uh, we did on the podcast with Dr. J. I highly recommend you go check that out. That was episode number 10. And, of course, on supermanherbs.com, you can find all of our podcasts. Just click on the little tab that's there, and you'll be able to get all that information. As well as, in addition to the podcast, we also have the transcripts available. Sometimes those take a little while, a few days after the podcast is live because it takes time to do that process, but that's there so you can uh, a little more quickly access the information. Um, so, Cloud, did you take your shilajit today? Oh, yeah. I've already taken uh, three, 400 milligrams of the shilajit powder uh, in my coffee, like I like to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yep. Definitely every single day, multiple times yep. a day. Yeah, yep. ever since... Uh, we did that interview with Dr. J. That has been something that I've taken without fail. <laughs> Every mm-hmm. first thing in the morning, along with drinking some water. Yes, and I really can't wait till we get this resin to start trying oh, yeah. that out. That stuff yeah. was so incredible when we tried it with Dr. J. <laughs> I, I can't wait for our customers, for everyone to get to try it. Yeah. Dr. J made us a nice saffron tea along with some of the shilajit resin. It was very tasty. But, yeah, that's, I guess we'll launch into the first question that has to do with that, um, this question. After researching shilajit, I'm finding many saying that there's no quality powdered shilajit. The resin is considered far better. Your take on this would be appreciated. What do you think, Cloud? Well, I think it depends on your source, you know, and because uh, what I've seen, a lot of people tell me that the resin's the only real shilajit, and yeah, I believe it's a, you know, less processed version, but some people will say their powdered shilajit cannot exist. If it does, it's fake. Well, how do you explain anybody receiving any benefits from it if it's fake, you know? If they are deriving benefits from it, on a daily basis, what's bad about that, you know? And then, and what I've noticed a lot of times, these people that put out the articles that say shilajit powder is bad and this and that, they're usually, you know, affiliates or someone trying to sell shilajit resin. So yeah. I don't I, – I, I think it all depends on the source. Is it possible to have powdered shilajit? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, obviously <laughs> it is. I mean, we wouldn't be selling it if it wasn't good quality stuff. I, here's the yeah. thing. Yes, the, it's, assuming you have good quality source, let's say that's right, the resin is better than the powder. 
because it is a less refined version. Usually they even start with a little higher quality material um, just because I guess with the, the rocks with the resin, that I mean, that's just minimally filtered, and then you have a usable product with the Shilajit uh, rocks that's sort of the starting material for the Shilajit uh, powder. You need to do a little bit more of a process in order to make that, uh, you know, assimilable by a human being. So it takes a little bit of a different process to get. But assuming you have both good qualities, then, yes, the resin is better than the powder, but that doesn't mean powdered is bad. Uh, there are well, a lot one, of good quality powders out there. Yeah, one thing, you, one way to look at it, I think, is and with what Dr. J told us uh, in his interview about how they, uh, the two different ways the resin and the powder is created. Um, basically, the resin, because they take the shilajit rocks that they find and they put them in water to get to the slurry. Uh, component of it before they do anything else, right? Well, basically, I, I see it as the resin does that naturally by itself um, with nature. Basically, it, it ends up in the waterways, the waterlogged areas, and the resin uh, becomes the slurry in nature, whereas the rocks are, you know, they're rocks, so they're not sitting in water because they're at lower ele elevation. So, you know, once humans get it, then they have to do that part of it. Like you're saying, it's slightly more processed, but the resin, you could look at it as it's processed through nature and the powder is just processed by man, kind of. Yeah. And so the thing is, once again, assuming you have good quality, you can take a lot less of the resin to get the same sort of benefit. With the powder, uh, it's just a bit of a weaker form, I guess you could say that. Uh, so you just need a little bit more to get the same sort of benefit. So once again, it doesn't mean that that's bad. And like Cloud was saying, I think those people that are saying that, oh, there's no such thing as a good uh, powdered chillajit are either purposefully or unintentionally lying to you because uh, they don't really understand the process going behind it and like they're just trying to sell some sort of resin. But that being said, resin typically is going to be a better quality product. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next question, um, and this one's just sort of a broad one. Would you go into more detail about the health benefits of Shilajit and its positive effects on aging? Positive effects on aging? Well, supposedly, you know, Shilajit has a bunch of electrons to give away, and if free radicals are going through you all the time, stealing your electrons, which makes you age, and you take shilajit and you have all these free radicals to give away, well, um, I mean, electrons. Uh, so all those free radicals aren't stealing your electrons, you know? So that kind of helps with anti-aging. Um, shilajit, I don't know, it's hard to go into the benefit, the health benefits of it, because there are so many associated with right. shilajit. Shilajit just tends to make everything better for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think noticed? there's a few different ways we could uh, look at this. One is just like historically uh, it was used as a cure-all. Um, we tend to not use that term anymore because in our sort of the Western scientific perspective, you know, you have one drug for one symptom and that's how things are supposed to work, <laughs> uh, which obviously that's not 
quite the whole truth or even really close to it. So the shilajit as a substance is historically used as a cure-all. So any sort of issues you have, I mean, Dr. J was saying, as a destroyer of weakness, it basically goes into your body, and it doesn't like weakness, so it just removes it from your body. It destroys it. It gets rid of it. And that's kind of why it had this reputation as a cure-all. Now, we're not saying that you take shilajit and it's going to cure anything you have. That's not what we're saying right here. Uh, if you use it in the right way, it can certainly help with a lot of issues. You can use it in combination with other protocols, other herbs, in order to work with various sorts of diseases. But the base, basic idea is just that. It's a destroyer of weakness, so it's going to help to remove anything that's weak from your body. Yeah, and maybe, you know, with shilajit being a nutritional potentiator, um, meaning that your body can derive more nutrition out of what you ingest uh, when you're taking shilajit also, maybe its cure-all effect is just that your body got better nutrition with the foods you ate and that helped you heal, you know? Yeah. I don't well, there's think that there has to be... The, there's that and also the high level of minerals that is in shilajit. You know, different people say different numbers, like 82 to 85, 87, somewhere in there. Basically, it's, it has all the minerals that the body needs. And here's the thing about minerals. I mean, we, we hear about certain ones in certain places, like the importance of zinc. We've definitely talked about that before. Or, say, selenium and its uh, very good effects of that. All right, 82, 85 minerals. Like, how many minerals can the average person make, right? Maybe 20, 30 yeah. of them, uh, if that. Right. So we don't even understand everything that these minerals do. I was just reading this book, and they're talking about all the benefits of yttrium. I'm not even sure that's the right way to pronounce it. It's Y-T-T-R-I-U-M. They're saying this is like a major mineral, and most people haven't even heard of that. I haven't heard of it to the point where I'm sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> but this is a, I, it's a, it's a huge it. mineral that has tons of benefits. Each one of these minerals, even though you may only need tiny, tiny amounts of them, Shilajit's going to be a supplier of that. So all the benefits that these minerals, because your body uses minerals for all sorts of enzymatic um, things, all sorts of different things. And if those minerals aren't there, then something begins to break down. It's having to use other minerals, including like toxic ones, in its case, for instance, with zinc, if you don't have that, then sometimes the heavy metals are getting put into those sort of areas where it's used. So anytime you don't have the right amount of minerals, your health is starting to decline. If you have tons of minerals, then your body's going to be much better at doing every single one of its processes, of which thousands are happening every single second. So that I'd say that's one of the big benefits of shilajit and how it can help with any age. Yeah, the remineralization of the body, I think it's very important, definitely since, you know, there's studies from 40, 50 years ago that talk about how depleted our soil was back then, right. <laughs> yeah. let alone now. I like how you're like, later. I like how you're like 82, 85, how come we don't know how many minerals there are? <laughs> different yeah. people, huh? Uh, oh, they yeah, different amounts. So, yeah, we, no. I mean, it definitely has good amounts of some of the major minerals, uh, like it's a fairly high amount of bioavailable calcium. But it's, I really think a lot of that health, um, a lot of the benefits we're seeking just comes from those very trace minerals that we really need. And if we don't have those, like I said, it's the beginning of problems 
Um, they may not happen right away, but over the long term, that's where things are going to happen. I think about every sort of hormone in your body, you know, we're talking about things like blood sugar, the cardiovascular health, everything depends on minerals. So if you don't have sufficient minerals, then uh, things begin to break down. Mm-hmm. And lately, um, my wife has been doing a lot of gardening, and mm-hmm. she's been, we're both like, we'll see a plant do well in the beginning, it'll start to wilt a little, and she'll put a tiniest amount of the shilajit powder in the water with it, and the next day it goes crazy. Like it comes yeah. back to life and new growth all of a sudden. And we're absolutely amazed, you know, watching these plants, how well they thrive with the tiniest bit of the shilajit powder in their their food. The plants need minerals just as much as we do. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that makes total sense. And that's the thing. If you're growing, actually, plants that you're going to be eating, then you put minerals in the soils. Putting shilajit would be one form. You know, there's all these different things from, like, using volcanic minerals or ocean water, uh, things that supply all these minerals. Then the food is going to be much healthier because it's uptaking those minerals, and then it's going to be available to you when you eat that food. In addition to that, I mean, a lot of these things give the plant its natural defense mechanisms, so you don't need things like pesticides and fungicides because Uh the plant can protect itself uh, rather than when you have just, depleted soil. Where our whole thing with soil is NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and uh, potassium. And that's those were the only three minerals that were added to soil. <laughs> and this is still a large thing. Uh, forget the other 80, some odd, 100, whatever we have, minerals that are actually mm-hmm. needed for health um, of those plants and then in turn for us. So, yeah, that makes total sense what you're saying there. Oh, yeah, and that, but you said about the plant's defense, uh, you know, a few years ago when we had a garden at our house um, and I used to throw shilajit and let's say if I'd rinse out my drink cup that had herbs, I would water the plants with the residue herb water. And mm-hmm. those those plants almost never suffered um, like pests like you're saying. I and mean, I never realized that, that maybe the herbs do help yeah. them re- you know, able to defend themselves from pests. Yeah. So that's interesting. I've, I've also heard that uh, you can generally grow plants in places where they don't necessarily grow. Uh, if they have uh, much more rich soils as well, like uh, growing oranges up in northern U.S. <laughs> based on this. I haven't seen that myself, but think about that. If, if it has the food supply, I mean, the same thing between plants and humans, any sort of animals, right? If it has the adequate food supply that's going to be helping with health, that's going to be, uh, you know, defense from invaders and plants as maybe bugs and us, it's viruses and bacteria that can be problematic, right? You have better defense from all that, um, and you're more adaptable, basically. I mean, that's the whole idea behind the adaptogen. Your body's better <laughs> able to handle any sort of stress, so let's say cold environment, hot environment, lack of water, that sort of thing. Your body's just better able to do it. Uh, there is one. Make, go ahead. <laughs> there is a, one other thing that I, I think will uh, help deliver this idea of why shilajit is so useful. Um, it is if you look at uh, herbal alchemy, right? Um, the most potent medicines are the mineral substances. 
like actually working with gold, uh, silver. Now, you can't just eat gold. You can't just eat silver. Um, they need to be processed in a certain way in order to be available to the human body. And, you know, Ayurveda has practices that work with these minerals, you know, in the, the West, Western alchemy, hermetic tradition. Those are there as well. Uh, these, these are the more potent medicines than even the plants because the mineral kingdom is just something different than the plant or animal kingdom. And shilajit is sort of, sort of in that mineral kingdom. So that's why it is one of the reasons why I, I like to think of it as why it's so beneficial because it's part of that mineral kingdom in a way that's uh, pretty easily gotten to by most people versus trying to do some alchemical stuff. Uh, it's sort of the... I mean, alchemy is the natural processes sort of done in a certain sped-up way in order to get to this. But uh, with shilajit, you know, the alchemy is being done by nature. So is it it's alchemy when the plants turn inorganic minerals from the soil to organic minerals that we can ingest in, that, in our I bodies? Mean, you could call that alchemy if you wanted, but, yeah, that is uh, just, you know, their biological processes of mm-hmm. doing that that's why we that's why we eat plants versus eating dirt right we can't necessarily right. get you know there, there's some benefit you know we can talk about soil-based organisms and uh some of the stuff in dirt might be useful but generally no we can't just eat rocks and derive nutrition from them it needs to be made into some sort of organic manner right and that was the job uh well i've read this i don't know how true it is but that fulvic acid and humic acid, what it allowed the plants to do was convert those inorganic minerals to organic. So when we ingest them, our body can use them readily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think that gives some of the ideas about how the shilja can help with aging and its general health benefits. Uh, let's move on to your next question. Uh, this kind of a two-part. How much should... Uh, how much shilajit should be consumed, and are there any age restrictions in doing that? What do you think, Glad? Well, I like to go with uh, Dr. J's recommendation as he is an expert. Um, so for the new powdered shilajit, I haven't gone over a gram a day. Uh, I usually do 100, 200 milligrams at a time, and I do that, you know, Till it adds up to one gram a day. Um, so Are you actually measuring this out, or I mean, most people say, okay, a gram. Well, I'm a gram u- is I- just over half a teaspoon. Uh, well, I'm using the Tongkat spoon, which is okay. approximately a hundred gram- milligrams. So, like I said, I'll do three or four in the coffee, uh, and then at lunch I may do two more. I may do two more later in the day, and two more in the evening. You know, it all depends. But I'm, I bet you most days I don't even reach a whole gram. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I just like to do it whenever I ingest food for the potentiation effects is kind of what I'm experimenting with right now. Instead of consuming it in one large dose, break it up when I do have food. Right. So I, I'm going for the other direction. I'm just doing my one shilajit dose in the morning, yeah. first thing in the morning, as I mentioned, and taking just a little over half a teaspoon. I don't quite measure it out. I'm not exact like that, mm-hmm. so it's probably right around that one gram amount and just taking that down and then good for the day. Take my other herbs a little bit later on. 
Yeah, and age restrictions, you know, I would say um, that kids, it's not going to be bad for kids in my opinion, but do you need to give it to them? Probably not. Um, Maybe, like, if we make smoothies at my house and we throw it in there and we give some to my daughter, fine, she has it then, but we're not, you know, giving her a gram of it a day straight. You know, she may get some incorporated in food. Um, Now, going the other way, do I think there's an age limit? Absolutely not. Uh, You know, there's that old saying that if you have chillage at one time in your life, you're better off um, because if it does re-electrify every cell in your body, then you are going to be better off after that one time once all those cells uh, try and turn back on. Right. So I definitely think shilajit is something uh, beneficial for older people, definitely. Yeah, that's a young or old, if we go back to the idea of minerals, like is there a yep. point in your life when you don't need minerals, right? Hmm, <laughs> uh, hmm let me think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I believe, I mean, we should, uh, we'll probably talk to Dr. J and confirm this, but I think this would even be a good one for um uh, pregnant women for children as well. Oh. Like I was saying, you don't need to do that one gram a day. That's an adult dose, uh, so you don't need to do that. But a small amounts of this, it's, it's just going to help. Uh, this isn't such a powerful thing in any one direction. It's just going to support health throughout time. Right. But I'd say this would be yeah. a great one um, to use regardless of where you're at in life. Yeah, definitely. But if you're pregnant, you might want to watch out. It may speed up your metabolism. My wife did not like to take it when she was pregnant. Okay. You know? So, but I think maybe tiny, tiny bits to make sure you get all the minerals. And the other thing, like I said, if you put it in plants, you're doing gardening, you know, and then the plants uptake it and your kids eat that, well, that's even better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And just as far as how much it takes, like I said, we, uh, probably when this is released, will be a little bit of time from having our new resin available. With that, you only need 100 milligrams a day. So it's a very small dose of this stuff that we have available. Um, to get all those benefits. This is something that really, you know, we, we've talked sort of at length about cycling different herbs and, you know, what should you take regularly, what you should you not. Uh, Shilajit is one that, Take every day for the rest of your life. It'll be pretty good for the idea of uh, Ayurveda that is often quoted with Shilajit. Is you, if you take it every day for 12 years, it will add an extra 12 years to your life. Now, of course, that's just somewhat legendary, but it, it gives you the idea of, first of all, what Shilajit can do for you, but secondly, how you should be taking Shilajit. It's really going to be best off when taken regularly over time. For the long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to have more of that building effect. Think about those minerals once again. It's not like, oh, take a whole bunch of minerals one day, then you're good for the rest. Sure, that's going to help, but if you can have this supply, what Shilajit can give you every single day, just a little bit, then your body's going to be able to run that much better. Right. And I definitely remember when we had three doses of the resin that one day. Mm-hmm. Bouncing off the walls for hours and hours, stayed up way past when I thought I'd be able to. Stuff, this stuff mm-hmm. is crazy to have yeah. just three, I mean, we're talking 
smaller than the pea size ones yeah. is 100 milligrams and yeah the resin's crazy <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot to mention this talking about benefits. One of the other ways we can look at it is the shilajit is going in and working on our DNA. It actually helps correct and sort of normalize protein synthesis. Uh, with those minerals are certainly helping with this, but your body is creating all sorts of proteins, including these enzymes and whatnot. Uh, shilajit just helps make that process work better. Uh, so this, this, you know, uh, the DNA replicating and RNA solves a whole bunch of other processes. Uh, the shilajit is really working on that cellular level with the reproduction of different things. And the more that those are working properly, the less you have, you know, things going askew and then that turning into disease in the long term. Right. So our next question here, I would like to transfer the pure shilajit pitch to a glass jar for easier use. Clear glass or amber glass? And this is an interesting question because uh, as we're working on getting the new shilajit resin to you, uh, where it's going to be coming in little glass jars, and so we're looking at the different colors. The idea behind whether to use clear glass or an amber glass, the idea is with a lot of different things, light is going to photodegrade the substance. Uh, this is why, like, tinctures are put into uh, not clear glass. It's generally amber glass. Uh, if you want to get even better than that, there's that black myron glass, which uh, keeps all light out from the object, whereas amber just reflects most of it. Same with cobalt, as our pine pollen tinctures come in right now. So with shilajit, here's the interesting thing. If it's this mineral substance and it's said to be immortal, is it going to photodegrade? And I would say probably not. However, you know, just to be cautious, you know, there's not going to be any drawback from putting it into amber glass. But I really don't think the light's going to affect the shilajit so much like it would the other herbs. What do you think, Claire? Right. Well, one, the myron glass does let in light, ultraviolet and red light spectrums, oh, nice. um, which are good for whatever is okay. in there. Anyway, um, no, I do not think it matters. Um, per Again, per Dr. J, he's this is an immortal substance, so is light going to be able to kill it? Well, according to him, absolutely not. Um, so, and it's been around for thousands of years. I definitely don't think uh, Shilajit has any problem with degradation. The stuff we had from Dr. J was a couple years old, actually. <laughs> you know, he'd been using the same samples for years. Uh, same thing with the powder. I had powder from him that was two years old, and I could definitely feel it. So I don't think um, you nef necessarily need to protect shilajit as much as some of the other things, other herbs. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I like the blue, the cobalt color. It's pretty, so whatever. <laughs> we'll go for that. Well, let's just mention that that's uh, something that came up uh, recently regarding the other herbs. Uh, the more you can keep these herbs away from light and away from open air, generally the la longer they're going to last. Uh, one thing we noticed mm -hmm. with the Tonkat Ali is if it oxidizes where it's turning into more of like little rocks rather than just a fine powder, at that point 
uh, I started to notice this. I asked around other people and noticed it. it didn't seem to have the same sort of effect, the same sort of kick from it. It seemed to be losing a bit of its potency just from mm-hmm. the um, just from oxygen. the oxygen that got to it and probably light as well. So with your herbs, you'll want to keep them in a sealed container, whether that's the bags or you put them in something else. Uh, with the Tonka, I think we're going to start actually throwing the oxygen absorbers in there as well just to make sure that uh, they stay quite potent. But, yeah, keep things sealed. Keep them in, like, a dark cabinet or drawer, wherever you do them. You could keep them in the refrigerator. That should be fine with most things, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily necessary to do so. Just keep them away from light and air, and you should be good to go. So, yeah, I mean, the reason we have our products in an inner bag is so there's less air for to be around the herbs and the reason there's the black foil bag is so light cannot get in uh you know so i definitely recommend you either keep it in that bag sealed up or you if you do transfer it you know take care of your stuff either get good glass containers or put it in an area where light's not going to get to it that much and definitely make sure it is uh, sealed. Right. right. So this final question we have here is a little bit different. Uh, I thought it was just interesting. It mentioned shillages, so I thought I'd throw it in here. What to do if you are skeptical to herbs and don't feel the effects of the herbs like tomcat, ollie, and shillage? Hmm. <laughs> why well, I found this question interesting was it sounds like this guy was skeptical before he even began to take the herb. Now, there's nothing wrong with being skeptical. However, uh, most people have heard of the placebo effect, right? When you take an inert substance and they get some benefit from it. The most dramatic case, in my opinion, of these, of which there are quite a few, but they did a, they, they were testing out knee surgeries. They wanted to find whether debridement or lavage, which are two different forms of knee surgeries, were more effective. Um, so in doing this, they placebo-controlled it. This means that they had some people were, that got the debridement, they had some people that got the lavage, and they had some people they were prepped for surgery and everything. The doctor came, made a small incision in the knee, but did no actual operation. Uh, then they went about and looked at the results with these different people. The people that got the placebo knee surgery healed just as well as the people that got the actual surgery. Uh, so the placebo effect <laughs> is very strong, uh, even you know, with uh, Western pharmaceuticals, right? Everything is tested against the placebo, and something interesting has been coming to light that the placebo effect seems to be getting stronger. Uh, so even if we have things that work, whether it's drugs or herbs, right, the placebo effect can sort of be an added bonus to it because if you believe something's going to work, that can just enhance its ability to do it because a lot of stuff goes on with your subconscious mind and your body's processing and all that. On the flip side, though, if you believe something won't work, uh, you through the placebo effect, basically you can cancel out the goodness of something, its actual effect in doing that. So if you're skeptical about herbs when you take them, you may just be trying and basically triggering your body to cancel out the effects of the herbs that they may have. So that, once again, it's fine to be skeptical. However, just while you're taking herbs, because obviously you're going to take them because you want the benefit, set that skepticism aside. 
and just be open to the possibility that these things can really help for you and say, if you do that, you have a better chance of getting results. And let's say even the herbs didn't have an effect, right, but you have this placebo effect going from them. I mean, if you get results, isn't that worth it anyway? Right. And another, like, our in our culture, our society, you know, people need to feel something to know it's working, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the shilajit is working on a, a cellular level improving your mitochondria efficiency. Are you going to feel that right away, you know? You know? Oh, if I don't feel it on the first dose in 30 minutes, then this is junk. I've heard that before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I definitely think going into it, like you're saying, with an open mind and not, you know, putting your mental attitudes into it will definitely help. Um, our father is one that I think he's, you know, he's taken a lot of these things for us and he doesn't believe in them and they never work for him. He doesn't even feel the Tongkat Ollie when he's been on it for two weeks. Um, and then I give him something else. I, I gave him actually a formula from Dr. J's stuff and it was the first time he said he ever felt anything. And so now he's starting, oh, maybe these herbs do work. You know, he was a case of, oh, I felt this instantly, so it is actually working. You know, yeah. it's been really once hard to get him. Once you notice the effects of something, then that can help begin to transform the belief that these don't do anything because you notice right. it from that first time. Uh, so you, you bring up a couple of interesting points. One is not every herb works as well for different people. Uh, there's a right. whole lot of different issues that go into this. So if one thing doesn't seem to be working, then, you know, try something else. If, if you don't notice the effect just taking an herb, you can always try a much bigger dose than normal. A lot of times with that, you'll be able to feel something right away. I'd say with the shilajit, you'll probably, you know, feel some energy from doing that if you take a bigger dose, but sometimes also the uh, best effects you'll notice only after being on something for a few weeks or a few months. Uh, so you need to give it time to really be working, and it can be subtle along that way. You know, day to day you may not notice a difference, but three months from now if you've taken Shilajit and you look back, you know, maybe then with that comparison you'll be able to tell the difference in how things are going. And sometimes the best way to know something's working is to stop taking it and then mm-hmm. at that point, you'll notice, because once again, you have a comparison uh, the other day with our lion's mane, for instance. You know, I was taking that every morning <laughs> pretty religiously, and then one day I did it, and, you know, I'm just speaking, and the words are just not coming to me. Like, I'm, I'm trying to use some word and not being able to find it. Like, I noticed that effect pretty significantly just from the one day I didn't have my lion's mane. <laughs> All right. And that's why, from the beginning, we've always been big proponents of, people experimenting like you're saying on the dosage how how much they take when they take it you know what other herbs they take it with um we did tons and tons of our own experimentation and we still do all the time uh all three of us do different things with the different herbs we all have our preferences and it we find out what works best for us you know, and that's what we always tell our people is, you know, play around with it a little, find out what works best for you. Yep. 
because everyone is individual and definitely we've talked a little bit about constitutional theory like the doshas of Ayurveda, which can give you an idea of how different herbs may interact with your body and what's going to work better or worse for you. Uh, but even with that, you know, most people can't right away, oh, I'm definitely dis dosha, I should work with these things. You're well, still yeah. going to have to I mean, experiment I'll... and find what's useful and best for you. And sometimes maybe your results are not quantifiable, you know, mm-hmm. like I have this much energy today. I'm at this level, you know, I know exactly where I am. And then the next day, oh, I'm below that. Well, is that that measurable? <laughs> you know, you got to have, you got to look at things careful. Some of these herbs, they, their actions are a lot more subtle mm-hmm. than you realize what's going on. And if you're not paying yeah. attention to everything, you may not see it. Yeah, I'd say most people have uh, the awareness of a dead dog or something like that. Uh, they need to be hit with a sledgehammer in order to feel something. Um, the, the more you work with herbs, the more you tune in, and you know there are various routes you can go about doing this. But you can become more aware and feel the subtle influences of herbs. And uh, you know, I've, I've heard people saying like, you know, these different herbs in Chinese medicine they work on the different meridians. So actually being able to feel it enter into that meridian energy channel and what it's doing there. So you could certainly go very far with this and tuning into that subtlety. Um, but like I said, you got to start somewhere. So that sort of sledgehammer effect of maybe taking a large dose right away of some of the herbs that people generally feel much more than others, that could be a good way to get started. And then there's the other side of it, of the people that, you know, they're believers in this stuff and they are very in tune with their body. They can feel the difference when they change what they eat. And then, you know, we give samples to those people and they'll take the tiniest amount and they feel it significant difference, you yeah. know, versus before they had it. So yeah. it can definitely go both ways. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I think we've gone a little over half an hour here. Any uh, final words to wrap it up, Cloud? Yeah, take your shill, is it? <laughs> yes. Definitely. This, yeah. Um, just for the benefit, like this is one that really I pretty much advise just about everyone to be on. I think it's going to give you some great results. Um, so, yeah, definitely give it a shot and see how it works for you. Uh, I'd like to remind people, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can head on over to iTunes, leave us a review. That would be very much appreciated. And as always, we'd love to hear your feedback, so whether it's there or, you know, e- emailing into our site whatever. We'd love to hear your feedback on the herbs, how you like the information, the podcast, all that. Thank you very much. And this is Logan and Cloud from The Vital Way signing off.